welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hi, Kevin, Property Soldier here. Now, I recently did a Facebook post, and in the post, I'll read it out exactly what I asked or what I said, and um, and, and I just thought that I would cover the answers that I gave um, to the comments. So the, the, the post was that landlords, if somebody asks if you would be happy to rent your property to them for rent to SA, what would you say? What might your objections be? As an SA operator myself, I will answer each of your comments on, as this will be helpful for landlords and SA operators alike. And so, yeah, I got some responses to that post. And so I thought it'd be useful to cover those responses. Now, I'm also going to re- release this as a podcast episode. And I will also, it's also going out live as I talk. And so if you do have any comments or anything else to add um, to that specific scenario, if you want me to answer any of those uh, or answer any questions that you may have around rent to SA via a landlord, then please type your questions in. So the first response I got was no effing way. Okay, so that's great. But um, the the person did elaborate on that. So that's great. (laughs) And so I was able to actually um, cover some of the objections that um, this chap kindly uh, raised. And so first one then, has the property, or for starters, one has the problem of having people in the property with whom there is no direct tenancy. So let's just talk about that. The, the, the SA operator will take the property from the landlord or from the owner using a, uh, a company let agreement or, or a corporate let agreement. Okay, and so that's a, that's a, a regulated contract that is um, fit for purpose. And so I, what I recommend people do is they set up a limited company to run their SA business and they take the property from the owner using, uh, diff- there's different agreements you can use, a company let agreement or a management agreement or a corporate let agreement. Okay, so ultimately it's not done on an AST. So, so that covers that one. And the liability for the rent sits with the SA operators company, right? Now, what was also being alluded to was the the guests using the property. And so it's not up to the guests to pay the rent to the landlord. It's up to the guests pay the SA operator as per the terms and conditions, etc. And so the liability sits with the SA operator and ultimately the the guests pay the SA operator. So hopefully that um, makes sense. Um, I'll cover some more. 
the other the other thing was uh, a mortgage. The other thing that was raised was if there is a mortgage. So if there is a mortgage on the property, then the the owner of the property should seek the lender's permission to do SA in the property. Okay, and so if the lender uh, is won't give permission then you can replace that mortgage with a, a, an SA specific product, a product that allows short-term letting. Uh, it's important to know how to ask lenders this question. So if you just say, look, can I do service accommodation? They'll probably say no and put the phone down because they won't understand what service accommodation is. So they understand furnished holiday let and they understand short-term lettings so that's the sort of uh, request you need to be making and if you are in between tenants if it's a buy to let property and you've got a void and that's costing you and you're, you're you know struggling financially because of that then they're a lot more likely to give you permission to do short-term letting um, in the property okay so another another way of asking is can you do a company let and the 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 company that's doing the service accommodation is the SA operator's company and they're doing service accommodation. So that would be via a company let agreement. So that's that's an awful lot better way of getting permission from a lender. But ultimately, yes, you, you do need to get permission from a lender in order to do SA in a property. OK, the other thing that was raised was insurance. And so uh, it was suggested that there's no insurance in place. Well, no, actually, there is. Um, so the the SA operator has short-term, short-stay holiday let type insurance. And you just go to a, a, a broker in order to get that arranged for you to do SA. So instead of a buy-to-let insurance policy, you would have short-term holiday let type insurance in the property as well. The SA or the, the property owner or the landlord still needs to have buildings insurance as they would have anyway if they were doing buy to let, but the SA operator is covered with their own insurance to cover themselves. I recommend that um, the the company also has the operating company also has uh, public liability insurance as well, and, and in some cases professional indemnity insurance. It depends. You speak to the broker about your business model, and they will advise you on that. So fully fully um, insured, fully compliant. Hopefully that uh, that makes sense. Let's go to the next one. So then I got um, people were saying thank you for helping, and I got how is he helping? He's just giving waffle, which was good feedback. You know, <laughs> I welcome I welcome all feedback. <laughs> so, uh, ultimately, I just had to uh, continue uh, addressing each objection. Which do you know what? That's what you've got to do. This is the point. You need to be speaking to landlords and overcoming their objections. So they might be coming from a position where they've had a bad experience with an SA operator who may not have been doing it properly in the past. Or they may have heard about SA operators not doing it well or, or um, you know, nightmare stories that they might have heard or been exaggerated in a Facebook group or forum or something like that. So ultimately, this is a live example of things that landlords will say, and you need to know what to, how to respond. And you, you don't take it personally. 
I'm, I've got a thick skin. You know, I, used, I was in the army for 24 years. Um, I used to get shot at, you know, so I don't take things personally. And, and it's valuable feedback. I would, I've been very grateful for this, this chat, for giving me these objections, because if everybody was just too polite and didn't say anything, then I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to respond and therefore be doing uh, this this live or releasing this as a podcast episode because this is all useful for people to see and hear in order to forewarn is forearmed. You need to understand what landlords' objections are in order to be able to uh, counter them or to address them. So I'm very grateful for this feedback um, and for uh, my waffling apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and so what else and so let me just cover some more things that were asked um it was it was suggested that it was um illegal and so i i confirmed that it's the correct use class so there's no need for a planning application for change of use you just um continue operating it under c3 and so, or you can do it under C1. So C3 and C1 are the appropriate use classes for serviced accommodation. So in most instances, there's no need for a change of use. And I covered the fact that it's it's covered under HMRC. And so HMRC reckon, recognize short-term lettings. That's what furnished holiday let is. So there's no differentiation between furnished holiday let in, in terms of somebody coming for leisure as opposed to somebody coming for um, work. And so as far as HMRC is concerned, they just um, cover both scenarios under the same type taxation rules. So SA, rent to SA, it's, it's covered by uh, business rates. You, know, you can get uh, rateable value for a property and go on to business rates and get small business rates relief. It's covered under different um, VAT schemes. So you've got the TOMS, Tour Operators Margin Scheme. You've got the flat rate scheme and you've got the standard rate scheme, all catered for under that scenario. So a lot of people have got this uh, impression that it's flying below the radar doing SA and it's not actually legal or legitimate. And so it just needs to be put out there that it's completely legal and above board. And let's face it, furnish all day let. Um, has been going on for a long time. It's a well-established use of property. And so your, your guests can be in those properties. It could be for leisure. It could be for visiting friends and family or having a holiday. Or they might be in town um, working. It might be a seminar. Or it, it might be just being in town um, for a conference or something like that. And so absolutely, it's completely uh, normal, recognized form of property investing. And if the guest doesn't leave, that was another one that was asked. Well, the guest doesn't have any tenant rights in the property. The, the way to think about it is um, a hotel. So if a guest doesn't leave a hotel, what will the hotel do? Well, they will just stop the key card from working so the guest can't come back in into the room. It's as simple as that. Once the stay is expired, the stay has expired. So however you want to restrict access to your essays is completely up to you as well. Um, the, the point is here is that the guests lives somewhere else. Their principal prime residence is elsewhere. So they do not have any tenant rights whatsoever. So it's not like having a buy to let or something like that. And here's the point is that before you accept a guest into your SA property, 
you need to have credit card details. Um, some, some platforms like Airbnb will take the money, but in most instances, we're taking credit card details and we want terms and conditions signed to so that the guest is signing to acknowledge the fact that, that it's not a tenancy, it's, it's, it's coming in under a license and their, their abode is elsewhere and you can take a deposit. And so uh, we, we check ID, we check ID to make sure it matches the credit card details and to make sure it matches their home address. So in my experience, if you're doing all of these things, then you're not going to get a problem. So we've never had anyone say, we've, I've been teaching this, doing this for years, teaching this for years. We've never had anyone say, not leaving. Okay, <laughs> They might want to extend their stay or something like that. But that's obviously once they pay, then they can extend their stay. Um, but uh, as long as you do it correctly, you're not going to encounter any of these problems that people perceive might be a problem. Okay, so leaseholds. So lease leaseholds have been mentioned. So absolutely, if the lease does not allow service accommodation, then you can't do service accommodation. So, but what I will say about that is, a lot of people see no business use of property and assume that that means you can't do service accommodation. It actually doesn't. There's no there's no case law that supports that. Is that one is completely open to interpretation. So if if you have a property and it says that on your lease and you decide to do service accommodation, you're operating it yourself, then that's your interpretation of that. There's no case law which would say that means you can't do SA. All right. Hasn't gone to the high court and there hasn't been a high court ruling. So that's open to interpretation. That's the law. Um, If it says owner occupier only or if it says owner occupier or ast is short short old tenancy only then that's that's pretty specific okay? so there's no wriggling out of that but it has to be that specific in order to stop you doing service accommodation in the properties but sometimes there'll be a block management company and they interpret the lease to to mean for instance, no service accommodation. And that's something that you has to be addressed. In my experience, it's, it's, it's not really worth fighting with a block management company if they're really, really set against it. But let's face it, you should try and convince them first if you really want to do it. But if they're really, really set against it and you, you don't really want the hassle, then there's other properties in order to do SA with. But yeah, absolutely, the lease needs to allow service accommodation, you should check the sublease, you should check the, the head lease of a property in order to do service accommodation with it. So that's all cool. And 90-day rule was raised as another one. Um, so being compliant with the 90-day rule in London, so that dictates that um, you can only do short-term stays up to 90 days in a calendar year in the Greater London Council area, the GLC. And so absolutely, um, you should be compliant with the 90-day rule. The really good news is that if you get bookings of longer than 90 days, then you are not in breach of the 90-day rule. So if you start off the calendar year with 90 and you get a booking of 91 days, that completely leaves your 90 alone. Okay, so you can have that 91-day booking and then start ticking off um, from your 90 allocation of, you know, two and three night stays, etc. So that's cool. And the reason why it's really cool is that longer than 90 day bookings will make you as an SA operator more money because you've got no cleaning costs. You've got no, uh, well, you do have cleaning and laundry costs, but you don't have voids. 
So typically you send your cleaners in once a week to do a midstay clean and then they change the, the bedding and the um, towels, etc. So that's a lot less overhead and you've got a nice long three month plus booking. So are they out there? Yeah, of course they are. It's a case of reaching out to companies and businesses, offering them your property to use for their clients, employees, staff, contractors, all of those things. And ultimately it's for longer than uh, nine month, uh, nine, 90 day booking. So a longer than three month booking. And that can that could represent for them an awful lot of saving on putting these people into hotels. So you work out your night rate to offer it to these companies. And um, it could be a, a building firm coming in from out of town and they've got a building a project in the area and you could be offering them a nice long SA uh, booking and SA property for their people to be staying in. And so under that circumstance, you're not in breach of the 90 day rule and you get to make a lot more money than people who are just getting short term stays and or breaching the 90 day rule. So you don't have to breach the 90 day rule in London in order to do service combination. And it actually causes people to pull their finger out, people that wish to remain compliant, pull their finger out. And, and contact these different companies in order to be getting bookings from them. And then subsequently, they end up making more money in SA. So if you've got any questions, guys, then please type away. Those people that are watching this live, type away, and I will answer those as well. And so the other thing that I was asked is, why would you – I was asked, have you got properties that you own as well? And I said, Yes, I've got property that I own in my own name. I've got property that I own in limited company. I've got property that I own in uh, an LLP. So that, that's across single lets, HMOs, hotels. And, and then it was, so why would you do Rent to SA? Well, that's a really good question. And so Rent to SA is a really cool vehicle of creating cash flow. So let's say you've got a, a, a pot of money, a pot of cash, and that pot of cash, you decide to go and purchase a property with, let's say it's to do SA. So what you've got to pay is stamp and legals and uh, a deposit. Okay, so a considerable amount of money that you need to put into a property deal. And then ultimately, you're, you will then hopefully cash flow at the other end. And so that cash flow will represent your return on investment. And that is a, a percentage figure. Your return on investment is a percentage figure depending on how much money you put into the deal. So that same amount of money that, that uh, allowed you to do purchase to SA, um, that could be 10 rent to SAs. And so that, that will represent a, a an inordinately higher return on investment on the same pot of cash. And so what you can then do, so that, that could be getting you out of your job, okay, quite easily. 10 rent to SA is going to get most people out of a job. And so it gets you out of your job and it frees up your time. And so then you could, you could scale some more. But ultimately, what you don't need to live on you should be putting to one side and that forms your deposit pot and then go in and crack on on purchase to SA. So get yourself financially stable, get yourself financially independent, or some people call it financial freedom. Do bread to SA with, with a, a pot of cash that you've got. And then ultimately, 
from that moment or from that point, build up your deposit pot for purchase to SA in order to build your own legacy moving forward. So that was a, that was a brilliant point that was raised by this person. Um, I'm sure the person thought that they might be trying to trip me up, but no, the point is that uh, if if I've been doing this a long time and I understand the benefits, I am a landlord myself and I do rent to SA myself, I do SA management myself and I'm, I train people, I mentor people and all of these things need to be addressed and these things need to be addressed when they are given as objections from landlords. So if, if you just make some notes from this post, then you will be able to, or this podcast episode, you will be able to have the objections covered as well that an awful lot of landlords will ask. And then the other the point that was raised when I, when I actually said to a, the London operator, and also you get to avoid Section 24, and you get to earn hundreds of thousands because this person has several properties in London in nicer part of London hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of tax-free income then that got uh, this chap's attention so yes service combination is not um, affected by section 24 so section 24 stopping you offsetting your mortgage interest against your income uh, in the property well you can still do that when you're doing service combination so that's really cool because section 24 is going to significantly impact an awful lot of landlords those landlords that are owning property in their own name and got mortgages on them well that's most that's most landlords okay because that was the advice that people were given in terms of buying property um, before section 24 came along and, and then the tax-free income, well, guess what? Once property is being used as service accommodation, then you can claim capital allowances. And the, the property, when it was previously being used as buy-to-let or HMO, can't claim these capital allowances. But once it is being used as SA, it can. And so that could be 35% of the property's value. And so work, do the maths on that. So that's how much, you're, let's say it's, £70,000 of capital allowances. So that means you get to earn £70,000 tax-free. Okay, so how much of a tax saving could that be for you? So depending on whether you are 20% or 40% or 45% taxpayer, how much of a tax saving is that? If the property is owned in a limited company, the limited company gets to claim the capital allowances and then you offset that against the corporation tax and pay no corporation tax. So it's significant benefits to landlords. So if you can understand these benefits, then this is how you get rent to SAs from landlords because they will come out with these objections and you will be able to respond to the objections, not in a confrontational way. As you heard earlier, it actually made me laugh <laughs> uh, because you, you need to have thick skin as a property investor. There's no point in taking things personally. You don't know why that person might have those negative feelings. Okay, You just have to uh, be objective about handling them. And so that is pretty much all of the objections I got through um, that far, so far, on that particular post. I only posted it last night. But there's some really cool things, some really cool takeaways there. And so Debbie saying great advice. Thanks, uh, Deborah, sorry. And miss some of this, so we'll watch it back. Yeah, absolutely. You can obviously watch this on Catch Up. Um, from the start, clearly, if you just uh, go to the podcast, you can be listening to the full episode on the podcast. And also, 
when I'm talking about capital allowances, when I'm talking about Section 24, when I'm talking about rent to SA from a landlord or rent to SA from a letting agent, I'm covering this stuff in my podcasts as well. So have a look at the other episodes on my podcast. For those of you watching this on Facebook, it's the Service Accommodation Property Podcast and obviously different podcasts are out there but clearly um, mine's got my name attached to it as well Kevin Paneskis so hopefully everyone found that useful uh, Deborah's saying what where are you lovely view from your window oh you're teasing the podcast uh, listeners Deborah. Um, it's it's where it's where I live and so I live on a on a marina and so that is my I'm actually in my office and that is my office and and, and do you know what it's my service accommodation business that um allows me to have a nice view from my office. So I've got a lot to thank service accommodation for. <laughs> and so I've, I've had uh, workplaces that aren't such a pleasant place to be in the past, 24 years in the army. <laughs> so I much prefer uh, working from here. Um, so Deborah saying, uh, capital allowances on purchase only or rent to SA. Um, the owner of the property gets to claim the capital allowances, Deborah. And so if you are doing a form of rent to SA, so you are the rent to SA operator and you do a profit share type scenario with the owner, then the owner can claim the capital allowances and avoid Section 24. Okay, and so that hopefully uh, covers that one for you. So I've got no other questions in at the moment. Hopefully everyone found that useful. Here's to your service combination success. And remember, your future needs you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Why not also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn more about property and serviced accommodation.